0: Uh, we are in a series of conversations on prayer, and today is the fifth of uh, five conversations about prayer. It's our final. We're going to wrap up today, uh, and we're going to wrap up with a bang, I hope. Uh, let's start this morning with First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18, and wow, this is really obnoxious, but let's, let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's Word. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that today you would speak. Uh, We give you permission. Uh, Lord, um, we, some of us have come here this morning with excitement, and some of us have come here this morning and already sensed your presence and others of us, Lord, we're we're standing on the outside of faith looking in. I'm not sure about any of this. Uh, Others of us, Lord, have come today with great need. You know where each of us are. And Father, speak where we are. We're listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so I want to do three things today, if you're keeping score at home. First, I want to tell you how we got to this series of conversations about prayer. So how did we end up having a a series on prayer? And then secondly, I want to make some comments about this passage. Uh, That won't take long. It's a very short paragraph, but it's a rich one. So we'll make some comments in the middle about 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 16 through 18. And then finally... We're going to talk about what next. So this entire conversation, uh, what does that mean for us as a group, really, for us individually, but, but for us as a group, for us as Gateway Community Church? I want to say again, it's part of our shtick here at Gateway, but it is part of our shtick because we really believe it. Uh, we don't believe you're here by accident today, um, and we don't believe that you're here just by habit. Uh, for those of you who come most Sundays. We believe that God has drawn us together, and by the end, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that might even mean. So how we got to this series of conversations, if you're visiting with us or if you're watching online and you're not really connected at Gateway, indulge me for a minute. I'm going to talk uh, in-house stuff. I'm going to talk about Gateway for a second and about our ministry here because that's sort of what led us to this conversation on prayer. At the first of this year, I felt really convicted. Convicted might be the wrong word. I I felt pretty convinced that we needed to do some strategic planning at Gateway, some longer-term strategic planning. Uh, We have not done strategic planning here since the start of covid uh, you know the company you're working in. It was really hard to do strategic planning during COVID. You didn't know what was going to happen the next month, much less for the whole year. So we really didn't do much uh, strategic planning during, we didn't do much planning during COVID. We just uh, went week to week. Uh, I felt like, you know, it's time. There were really three things that led to that feeling. Number one, I realized that, uh, you know, it was it was January and Uh, I don't know, we're turning over new leaves in January, we're making resolutions, whatever. And I realized this is my last chapter at Gateway. Now, I'm not leaving. Did I hear somebody applauding? Uh, I'm not leaving. Um, But uh, it is is, uh, five, maybe ten years for me. We will decide that together. And by we deciding that together, what I mean by that is that's what happens in a church that's congregational, that, that focuses on community the way we do. We, we decide that together. You get to speak into that. I and mean, there are a lot of ways for you to speak into that. One way is go to one of our leaders and say, you know, that guy is getting a little long in the tooth. I've heard too many illustrations about he and Diane communicating by Morse code. Let's get somebody who knows a little bit more about uh, what's going on today in our world. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that together. But, uh, you know, I realized it's not going to be 15 more years. Uh, I'm in my last chapter. And I don't ever, I'm not the, the kind of person, but certainly not for my last chapter. I'm not the kind of person that I just want to do a, week, a weekly meeting. And I don't think that's why God has called us together. And I believe he has. As I said, I don't think you're here by accident. So uh, what does God want us to do next? So that's the, first Im- that's the first theme that drove this impulse. You know, this is my last chapter. Now, you should know, over the last, uh, let's say, five to eight years, a lot of ideas have emerged from our, our elder meetings or from our staff meetings or from conversations with individual ones of you. Really big ideas. And then mid ideas. Lots. I made a list of 25 things. Some of them are, are gigantic, like building phase two of our building. You know, that's, that's a multi-million dollar project. Or developing that property out there that's on the other side of our parking lot. That's also going to take some energy and some vision and some money. We've had ideas about giving vast amounts of money away to missions. We've had ideas about uh, starting A satellite of gateway maybe in western Fairfax or maybe planting another church Uh, all of those things take energy and people and money and and prayer and we can't do all of them in fact uh, over the next six seven eight ten years we can only probably do two or three of them so God what do you want us to do so, I, I, first theme was, this is my last chapter. The second theme was, you know, it struck me at the beginning of this year, and I, I don't know if you have felt this way, maybe about church, for those of you who are really connected to Gateway, you may have felt this in the organization that you're involved with as well. But, you know, it felt for two or three years, like post-COVID, we were sort of waiting for, for us to come back from COVID. And, and it was such a slow dawning coming back from COVID. There was this constant waiting for us to come back. If you've been uh, connected with Gateway for a while, you know that we, we opened this building. We built this building and, and opened up here uh, late 2016. And we experienced pretty dramatic growth for a couple, of two or three years. And then COVID hit. And so after COVID, I kept waiting for Gateway to come back. And at the beginning of this year, I realized some of you have, of course, thank you. Uh, others of you are new since, uh, since COVID, and many of our pre-COVID people did not come back. And I, I realized uh, at the beginning of this year, you know, we are what we are. We're not waiting on anything. So it's time for us to go giddy up. That was kind of the second theme that led to this Impulse to plan to plan, and and then and the third thing was uh, when we built this building, we had to put a significant amount of money in escrow with the bank that we didn't have access to until a lot of things were checked off, and we finally checked all of those boxes. And this year, the bank released that money to us, so we have uh, a, you know a sizable amount of money and a reserve now that is available to us to use for. Uh, God's purposes um, that it might secure our future certainly that's part of what needs to happen with this money but does he want us to put any or how much of that money to work right now so uh, in order to get us to a very good plan I actually did some thinking this is very un like by the way and I put a plan to plan together so I actually put together an eight-step process for how to get to a strategic plan. You've done these before in your past in some corporate setting. Uh, you know, it's evaluating and blah, blah, blah. So we had eight steps to kind of get to a plan. And uh, I remember for the, I think, the second step and the third step, um, part of the process of just that step was praying. Praying. So evaluating and and doing SWOT analyses and all of that, uh, that was kind of step number two and part of it was praying. And a couple of people on the staff came to me and said, um, you know, Ed, uh, see that you have prayer over this part of the process and you have prayer over that part of the process. That's really good. But don't you think we should pray and really pray before we even get started? And I was thinking convicted about that. So I said, sure, we should pray. So, late May, June, we decided to have a, you know, a significant prayer effort among the staff and elders here at Gateway. And we did. We prayed. We took a week and prayed together uh, as a staff, and it was awesome. It was a really good effort. Uh, Then we took a week, prayed together as a group of elders. That was okay. And uh, through the month of, through late May and the month of June, I actually fasted Uh, A day a week just to seek God to bless our prayers and you know what I really wanted to happen out of that was I was I honestly was expecting a real sense of direction a clear leading Uh, I I felt like God was going to kind of stir among us and we were going to walk away feeling like we need to do this next so over the next three years we're going to do this And then we just got to figure out how much money that's going to cost and how much effort we need and what the effort is, and we just plan it out. Um, That didn't happen. In fact, through this prayer effort, I really uh, came away with only one impression, and it was confirmed by a couple of others. I came away with the impression that right now, at least, for Gateway, and I'm not saying this in some religious way, I don't, I don't know that it's always true to the degree that it's true right now, but right now for Gateway, we are not praying toward the work. Prayer is the work. So with that in mind, um, I decided that uh, I would think about and talk about and pray about prayer and Conversation, a series of conversations on prayer, came out of that. Uh, that turned into let's talk about prayer this fall. All right. Now, let me talk through First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen, and then I'm going to tell you so what what this means. All right. First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen is a part of a larger section. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, his first letter to the group of Christians in the ancient city of Thessalonica, and if you have the NIV translation, you may notice that the the NIV has given this entire section at the end of 1 Thessalonians a title. They've called it Final Instructions. So I want you to look at, Nathan, bring that next slide up. If you would, this is the entire section at the end of 1 Thessalonians 5. So even if you're at home, give this a look real quick if you would. Remember, we're focusing on 16 through 18, but you see that opening paragraph? Then he gets to 16 through 18. Then there's this final paragraph. Now, New Testament scholars have debated over the centuries how these instructions all fit together, or if they even do. Perhaps they're just a random collection of thoughts from from Paul. Kind of like, you know, imagine yourself giving instructions to your kid right before he or she leaves for college. You know, uh, be careful on the road, study hard, and make sure you call us once a week, etc. Maybe that's what's going on here. Important, but random thoughts from Paul. But some scholars have made suggestions about how these thoughts work together, how they fit together. For example, one suggestion that became popular for a while is that verses 12 through 15, so look at this, deals with our behavior towards others while verses 16 through 18 deals with our inner life. Can you see that? But against this idea a whole train of scholars have have organized these thoughts in a way that I think makes much more sense. I want to quote one guy, Dr. Michael Martin. He said this, listen to this. Rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks, however, were not exclusively personal spiritual experiences. They were just as much, if not more so, public expressions characteristic of the church assembled. As a result, distinctions between the internal and external practice of religion seem rather unlikely to describe how these things all fit together. It is more defensible to argue that verses 16 through 18 present activities directed toward God, whereas 12 through 15 and 19 through 22 deal with actions and attitude toward others. In other words, this is is all about our corporate life together. It's not about inner life versus outer life. And I think that's fascinating. I think he's on to something. In other words, verses 16 through 18 are activities directed toward God, and they are communal activities at least part of the time. This rejoicing and praying and giving thanks is part of our life together. Certainly we do these things individually, but they are, they are an important part of our communal life. They should find expression among us constantly. Now, put a pen in that for a minute. We'll get back to that idea, but let's take a deeper dive into, into these commands for a second. Each of the verbs in this paragraph, rejoice, pray, give thanks, are in the present tense. Stay with me for a sec, I'm gonna nerd out. Uh, Often in Greek, the present tense acts in the same way as it can in English, kind of like, not kind of like, like the historic present. It can describe an ongoing current action, an ongoing current action, it often does. That's certainly the case here. So in other words, keep on rejoicing. Keep on praying. Keep on giving thanks. That's the idea behind Paul's commands here. But to make sure that we get the point, he adds adverbs to the action, doesn't he? And he doesn't always do that when he uses the historic present. Keep on rejoicing always. Keep on praying continually. Keep on giving thanks in all circumstances. In other words, there are two times when these activities are right and appropriate. So make, let's make sure we get this. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. There are two times when it is right and appropriate to pray and to rejoice and give thanks. There, there, and there are only two occasions when it is right and appropriate to pray. The first occasion is when you feel like it and the second is when you don't feel like it. Always, continually, in all circumstances. That's the idea. Rejoice always. So you cannot read the New Testament without being convinced that joy is a byproduct of a healthy Christian life. If we are doing the Christian life as it's designed to be lived, as Jesus taught us, joy is a byproduct of that life. According to Galatians 5 22, joy is produced by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, and we have the Holy Spirit in us. According to Romans 14, 7, joy is a natural outgrowth of a connection with God. And, and we rejoice in and about all kinds of things. The believer rejoices in the good fortune of other people, Romans 12:5. We rejoice when others demonstrate obedience to the Lord and they follow him. Romans 16:19, 1 Corinthians 13, 6, 2 Corinthians 7, 9, Philippians 4:10. The presence of good Christian company. Our posse is a source of joy 1 Corinthians 16:7 Philippians 2:28 Our future both in this life and especially in the next is a source of constant joy for us even in the midst of personal suffering Paul could, could find cause for joy, 2 Corinthians 6, 10, and, and, one, uh, and 1 Corinthians 1, 6. In fact, we can rejoice because of our suffering, James chapter 1. And Paul rejoiced repeatedly in the spread of the gospel, even when it involved personal self-sacrifice on his part, Philippians 1, 8, 2, 17 through 18 and 3, 6. Rejoice continually because for the healthy Christian, there are so many sources of joy and it just bubbles up naturally because of our relationship with Christ. Then he says, thirdly, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, the Greek word give thanks is eucharisto. That's interesting, isn't it? Those of you who come from an Anglican or an Episcopalian background, this is the root word for our word eucharist. And Paul regularly gave thanks both for what God had done and for what God does regularly through his people and in his people. Plus, as we said, Paul did not intend for Thanksgiving to be a private affair only. This is something we participate in together. In fact, all together. This paragraph is essentially encouraging us to offer up joyful, constant worship of God. That's the idea. Together, throughout our day. Every day. That's what's going on here. But the middle verb, the third, of course, is our word prayer. Pray Continually, he said. And this is the Greek word proseokamai Eugene Peterson offered a super intriguing observation about this word. Now, Eugene Peterson is the guy who authored the message. Some of you know the message. It, it's, it's not a translation of the Bible. Eugene Peterson took the Bible chapter by chapter, uh, paragraph by paragraph, phrase by phrase, and he rewrote it in, in kind of modern, readable English uh, it 's beautiful it's it's lyrical it it sticks as close as he could to the original language uh it's It's worth a read um that guy, Eugene Peterson, reminds us that this verb prosaicomai, stay with me is in the middle voice. Let me explain that we don't use this voice in in English, grammatically, or not technically, anyway, we accomplish the same thing by the construction of our sentences. But in Greek, they have this voice, the middle voice, in the verb itself, the verbs are constructed either as active voice, passive voice, or middle voice. So in the active voice, here's how it works, the subject, or the actor, initiates the action. In other words, I, the subject, I hit Andrew in the face. I said that the other night in my small group, and Andrew's the leader of our small group, and Andrew said, wow, why is your illustration so violent? Uh, I hit Andrew in the face. I initiate the action. I'm doing the action to someone else. Or, or I give anmal advice. I initiate the action. In the passive voice, the subject is acted upon. And again, in Greek, they use the verb itself to, to differentiate these. So, Andrew was hit. It's passive. The action happened to him. Or, Anmal got advice. The action happened to him. But the middle voice is different. In the middle voice, the action is initiated outside of the subject, but the subject participates in the action. So, in English, we would construct that by saying, Anmal took my advice. Or Anmol welcomed my advice. In this case, the action was initiated receiving or welcoming the advice. Prayer, by its nature, the verb itself is in the middle voice. God initiates the action and we join him. We participate. We join in the conversation that has already started. That's what prayer is. Uh, Several weeks ago, um, I walked in on a Sunday morning and the worship team was doing uh, a a song that I know Kristen Cole loves. Kristen Cole, some of you know her. Kristen leads our uh, Kidstown ministry upstairs and does a fabulous job with your kids. She's awesome. Um, And I, I, yes, and I walked in and thought, uh, boy, I bet Kristen would love to hear this song. I needed to come in here and grab my microphone from the back. So I walked in. The worship team is up here, and they're, they're, they're grooving on this song. And I look at the back of the auditorium, and Kristen Cole is standing there, singing her lungs out. She could not help herself. She heard this song echoing through the halls in Gateway, and she ran downstairs and ran into the back, and she's standing at the back, worshiping. Uh, with Just Kristen and whoever was running sound that day and the worship team. There is a beautiful melody spilling out of heaven, constant, unabated. And we are invited to participate in that song. We are invited into perpetual conversation that is ongoing and eternal. And I think it's fair to say it's a conversation that ultimately leads to thanksgiving and joy. I want you to listen to how Eugene Peterson describes this. It's a little bit technical, but stay with us. Prayer and spirituality feature participation, the complete participation of God and the human, his will and our wills. We do not abandon ourselves to the stream of grace and drown in the ocean of love, losing identity, which is the way many Eastern religions might describe our connection to God, passive And we do not pull strings that activate God's operation in our lives, subjecting God to our assertive identity. In other words, active. We neither manipulate God, active voice, nor are manipulated by God, passive voice. We are involved in the action and participate in its results, but we do not control or define it, middle voice. Prayer takes place in the middle voice. Eugene Peterson. That's so good. Uh, One of the books that I read this summer was a book called uh, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. One of my favorite titles ever of a book. It's by Tyler Statton. uh, Tyler was riffing on Eugene Peterson's observation about the middle voice. He said this. I want you to hear what he said. In Eden, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, remember, the middle voice was the only form of communication. Adam and Eve were participants in God's action, naming animals, harvesting the garden, et cetera, et cetera, other activity. None of what they were entrusted to steward began with them. Everything that is exists because God spoke the first word. But neither does God ask Adam and Eve to sit back and watch him rule. Now catch this. When Eve's teeth cut that crisp apple from that one forbidden tree, It introduced the active voice into God's world. And when Adam, equally guilty, sheepishly passed the buck, that woman you gave me, he introduced the passive voice into God's world. And we've been operating in that ever since. Every time we try to take control in our lives, every time we strive and stress, we're operating in the active voice. And every time we sit back, and we give up, or we relinquish, and we say, woe is me, we're operating in the passive voice. Prayer is in the middle voice. It's where we participate with God individually and corporately. All right, now let's think back to that opening observation that these activities, in Paul's mind, were communal just as much as they were individual. All right, we've come to the end of our series of conversations on prayer. Good morning, everyone. Uh, What now? What does this mean? Well, this past summer, uh, as I said, we prayed. Spent some time praying as a staff. Uh, Spent some time praying uh, with the elders. I spent a lot of time praying personally. I heard that prayer is the work that we need to be doing And uh, that's when I first noodled on and then formulated the idea and then felt like it was probably God, you know, know, I need to talk about prayer this fall. No, 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 I need to preach a sermon series on prayer this fall, uh, and and let's find some time to pray. So um, by the time I was at the end of the month of June, I was already feeling like, I need, to, I need to preach on prayer this fall, and I need to call the congregation, I need to call Gateway to pray. I need to call us to pray. Really. Not just kind of. Um, so going to preach this sermon series, and I started to feel like in years past, some of you have been at Gateway long enough, you, you will remember times when we've done this. Uh, several times over, over our, our history together, we have taken... Christmas, uh, Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve day and prayed 24 hours through the, the day leading into New Year. And we, we would sign up different ones of us for an hour of prayer for the 24 hours leading into January 1. And it was always a rich exercise. And so I thought, let's do it again. Let's, let's get gateway to pray in the new year. And I just had this nag in my spirit And I really felt, that's all I know how to describe it, I really felt like that's not enough. And I started circling more and more around, and then it formulated into this idea, terrible idea, terrible idea. I tried to get rid of it and could not. I started circling around this idea that we, together, Gateway, we need to pray through the month of January. That's 744 hours. As soon as I thought that, I thought, we, Gateway, (laughs) we were not going to do that. And I couldn't get rid of the idea. So, uh, Diane and I went on vacation uh, late July, early June, and I took two books on prayer. First of all, I think it was Jennifer Wing. On our staff, Jennifer sitting in the back. I think Jennifer was the one that recommended I listen to this podcast on prayer. I did not listen to the podcast on prayer, but I listened to the first episode, and it was was pretty good. And there were a couple of books mentioned in that first episode or in the material about the first episode. And so I'd never read these books. I've read a bunch of books on prayer, but I'd never read these books. So I thought, I'm going to take those books and another one to the beach with me and on the beach uh you know i had enough kind of stupid novels i was going to read those too but i'm going to read a couple books on prayer so i took these books with me on prayer and the two books were praying like monks living like fools and the other one was a book called dirty glory and i just i picked that up because i loved that name dirty glory that's awesome Uh, So, a book about prayer, and you know, I figure he's going to talk about the mechanics of prayer. All the while, I've got this idea that I can't get rid of in my head. Gateway needs to pray through the month of January, and I'm telling that idea, no, that's not going to work. Let's do something more modest. Um, And the book, Dirty Glory... Is written by a guy named uh, Pete Gregg who started a movement 20 years ago called the 24-7 Prayer Movement um, where he asked his congregation to pray around the clock, 24-7, for a month. And it turned into a revolution. And now there are, there are dozens, maybe hundreds, of 24-7 prayer rooms around the world. You might not have heard of this, but now that I've told you, you will. Uh, they're, they're all over the world, in cities all over the world. They, they, they just have rooms that are open 24 7 and people coming and going and praying constantly all over the world. And unbelievable, incredible stories. If you want to be knocked out, grab the book Dirty Glory. And I'm reading the story about 24 7, and every page, God is saying, See? This is what I've been trying to tell you. I turn the page and I read another story. See? This is what I've been trying to tell you. So, uh, Gateway, we are going to pray for 744 hours in the month of January. We are individually and as families, maybe as small groups, we're going to sign up for hours of prayer. I figure if 250 of us would each sign up for three different slots for the month of January, we'll have it covered. Uh, Now, uh, I know that sounds ambitious, and when you think about it this afternoon, you're going to realize it's more ambitious than it even sounds. We're going to give you help in how you actually pray through a whole hour. That's not easy to do. We're going to give you themes to pray for, but for the month of January, we together, Gateway, together, we're going to pray continually. We, together. We're going to seek God's face about what he has for Gateway. Gateway what he wants for us to do next. Before we get rid of this old man, what do you want us to try to accomplish, God? And we're going to pray about our individual needs and we're going to pray about our family needs. For the month of January, we are going to begin signing up throughout the month of December to pray for the whole entire month of January, 744 hours. All God's people said, Yes, except they said it much more excitedly. All God's people said? And and most of them were genuinely excited and ready to go. We're going to find out. So um, I'm going to want you to, uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, we almost never do this. But we're going to circle up here and talk to one another. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to answer three questions. Number one. When I, when I think of prayer in the middle voice, I think, and I've given you some options, and, and the only requirement here is that you just be honest. Uh, I think that's goofy. Uh, you can, under the other category, you can add, I, I barely even know what prayer is, and you won't be alone, by the way. Uh, question number two. The thing that prevents me from praying constantly is, I've given some options, but you may have some other options. And question number three, Concerning joining Gateway's prayer effort in January, this is how I feel. <laughs> and I've given you some options there as well. Now look, this is, not to, uh, this is not to create shame. This is not even really to inspire us. This is to just make sure we drill down on the idea. You know the old marketing principle, you've got to hear something seven times before you remember it? This is, this is a way of us kind of drilling down on so that you only need to hear this maybe three more times before you really get it, that we're really going to do this. Um, But I do want you to engage with one another, and I want you to be honest with one another. Nathan, go back to question number one, if you would. When I think of prayer in the middle voice, I think. Now, if you're visiting with us, I apologize for this in advance. If you are uh, the kind of person who hates when I do that, this I apologize for that as well. Let's try this. Let's engage with one another, uh, be as honest with you as you can, and remember, on every question, the answer, you know, I really don't know, is always fair. Uh, That can communicate, number one, you need more time to think about it, or number two, it may mean, please stay out of my face. And either one of those is fair. So I want you to literally turn your chairs into circles of Four, five, or six, not more than six, if you would. Circle up with someone. It's got to be with people that you, including people that you did not come with today. Um, so circle and uh let's talk really quickly. Question number one: when I think of prayer in the middle voice, I think I know that I'm rushing some of you, but as soon as you're ready. Let's move to question number two. The thing that prevents me from praying continually is, uh, what do you think prevents you from praying continually? Busyness or you don't know enough about prayer. You don't know exactly where you are with God right now or you feel like you sometimes do this or maybe you're disappointed or distracted or other. What what would prevent you from praying Praying continually as Paul instructed. Okay. Uh, I really do thank you for, for this. I know this kind of exercise is tougher for some of you, and I appreciate you staying with it um, and, and doing your best through it. Finally, this one should be quick. Um, concerning joining Gateway's prayer effort in January, this is how I feel. And let's just be honest. Remember, there's no shame in this one. There's not even, this is not even meant to inspire you yet. This is just meant to drill down a little. So uh, try to answer as honestly as you can. Concerning this uh, prayer effort in January, this is how I feel. Go. Um, I want to remind you at the end of the service today, there will be two people on the wall over here ready to pray for you if you need some prayer this morning don't leave without getting someone to pray for you Uh, just walk right over there there will be space and and time and uh, two folks who would love to pray for you Um, let's close out our worship time this morning by singing an invitation here's how I want you to think about this let's sing this invitation uh, to our own souls and to one another